Well, good morning, everyone. It is great to be here. I was super, super excited about preaching this morning. And then Friday evening, I felt it coming on. Kind of the Akron resident uh, sniffles and coughing and hacking. And uh, so Friday and Saturday, I, I was doing this at home. <clears throat> My wife's like, don't you do that on Sunday morning. And uh, aren't spouses great? And so, uh, uh, but uh, uh, we will get through this together. So um, uh, let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for this morning. Would you give us open ears, open eyes this morning? And Lord, for our hearts, you did not, you did not call us, Lord, just to capture our attention. You called us to capture our heart. And so, Lord, there is a word that you want us to hear this morning from you. I pray, Lord, that as we would be attentive, that we would find ourselves saying, yes, Lord, that's what I desire more than anything else. That the world is crazy right now. But Lord, with you, you are an anchor for our soul. And so I pray that what is shared this morning would honor you. And Lord, as we walk out this morning, that we would be stronger, more committed, and devoted to the cause of Christ. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. He asked me if I was a skimmer, and I'm like, what, what are you talking about? He said, come on, Craig, have you ever read a book, and as you're reading that book, you get to a point where maybe it's talking about the outside of a house, and it goes into great detail about the outside of the house. Maybe the shutters, the doors, the, the siding, the picket fence, and it has nothing to do at all with the plot of the book. It's just filler. He said, what do you usually do? I said, I skim over that. He said, that's right. And he was setting me up. He said, Craig, do you ever do that with the word of God? Do you ever skim over verses that should bring conviction and change? And you only key in on those verses that make you feel good? And I have to be honest, I wanted to lie. I wanted to say, oh no, I'm reading through the book of Leviticus right now, you know. I know how to twist the head off of a bird, you know. I, uh, I wanted to lie, but he nailed me. He nailed me. Because I think I, we have a tendency to skim through things in our life, especially when it comes to the word of God. And so I have to ask you this morning, are you a skimmer? I ask that because it would be so easy this morning just to skim over the portion of scripture that we're going to look at. And for us to say, oh, I, I know this portion of scripture. This is where Jesus calls the 12 disciples to follow him. Let's, let's move on. And I would say not so fast. And here's why. Every name has a story. And every story has the potential to transform our lives from the inside out. Would you agree with that? Every name has a story. And every story has the potential to transform our lives from the inside out. Meet me this morning, if you would, to Mark chapter 3. And we're going to look this morning at Mark chapter 3, verses 13 through 19 this morning. Mark 3, 13 through 19. Follow along in your Bibles or on the screen this morning. And Jesus went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired and they came to him, and he appointed twelve, whom he also called apostles. 
so that they might be with him and he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. He appointed the twelve, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Bonerges, that is, sons of thunder, Andrew and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Wouldn't it be easy this morning just to kind of skim over that and say, okay, yeah, that's the 12 disciples, let's move on. But when you look at these 12 names, each name tells an incredible story that forms and fashions their life. If we started over here this morning with this young lady here and worked all our way over here to over here where Jonathan's at, every single one of us has a name in here. Every single one of us has a name. But I wonder how many of us have an incredible story of God's transforming power in our life. That we would say, I have seen him work in the past. I have seen him work right now in my life, and I know he will use me in a transforming way in the future. Do we have that kind of story? Because if you have a name, you have a story that can change your life from the inside out. Now, you've heard me say over the years, as long as we have a pulse, we have a purpose. So humor me this morning and find your pulse. Now, if you can't find your pulse, we have bigger issues this morning. Every one of us has a pulse in here. But not all of us has a person, not all, all of us have a purpose that goes deeper into what God desires for us to be. And so we see this morning from this passage some important truths that I want you to be able to know and understand and live out. I'm going to give you some keys to spiritual transformation that we see not only the disciples having, but us as his disciples as well in this passage. The first thing we see is Jesus retreated to his father. We need to retreat as well. Jesus retreated to his father. Jesus retreated frequently. Say that word with me, frequently. Frequently. Say it again. Frequently. Jesus retreated frequently to the Father throughout his ministry. We see it in Mark chapter 3. We see it again in Mark chapter 6. We see it in some of the other Gospels in Matthew chapter uh, 14, where Jesus goes to the mountain and prays. Luke chapter 6 emphasizes the same thing. This is not an isolated event for Jesus. This is something he does what? Frequently. Frequently. He sees the importance of getting away from the hustle and bustle of life and being with his Father. He distances himself from the multitude of needy people and finds refreshment and fellowship with his Father. I don't know about you, but I have noticed something about our culture today that sadly has flowed over into my life as well. I feel like I always have to have something going on. I feel like I always have to be busy doing something. Whether it's texting somebody, sending a Facebook post, Instagramming some, someone, uh, talking to someone on the phone, having the radio on, having the TV on, uh, playing music. But I feel like I have to be doing something busy, even if it's not productive. And yet I fail miserably sometimes in just retreating and being with him. 
Psalm 46.10 reminds us, be still and know that I am what? God. We know that he's God, don't we? But some of us are not still enough to let that sink in and transform our lives because we are busy, busy, busy. How many of you are busy these days? Some of you are so tired you can't even raise your hand this morning. Uh, uh, we're, we're, We're constantly on the go. And sometimes what gets the scraps is our time with the Father. Jesus knew it was important for him to retreat and spend time with the Father. How about us as well? And I think if we are honest this morning, many of us have ignored that, that important principle of spending time with him, of neglecting time with the Father. We, we skim through life, so much going on, uh, uh, so focused on the tangible that we for, forget to just Retreat into the loving arms of the Father, reminding us that life is so much more than recreating, procreating, making deals, and dying. You know, every year I pick one word, one word in January that I want to showcase so that my relationship with the Lord will grow stronger. And this year I have chosen the word retreat because I don't do it enough. And I'm not talking about going on an elaborate retreat. I'm talking about just getting away with the Lord. I'm talking about getting up a little bit earlier. I'm talking about just finding some solitude and quietness and just enjoying him. I don't retreat enough. And so when the hard times come, I need to retreat. And when the difficulties of life come, I need to retreat. And when I want to give up, I need to retreat. Because spiritual transformation will not occur in my life and will not occur in your life unless we retreat to the Father. So that's the big question this morning. Just as Jesus retreated to the Father, how about you? Do you retreat to the Father? Um, Great, great uh, um, quote here by Pastor Bradley Boyd. We are invited to work hard and retreat frequently with Christ. It's the retreating frequently that we often forget. And trust that whatever falls through the cracks while retreating We'll get tackled during our next working hard time. I love that. I have no clue who that guy is. I just found it online. But I love it. Because it's so true. We just are go, 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 go. And you know, I know the year has just started. But have you retreated to him? Because that's one of the signs of where you'll see spiritual transformation and fruit in your life. The more I spend time with him, the more I'm going to be transformed, more like him. So that's the first thing that we see, that Jesus went up on the mountain and he prayed. Here's the second key to spiritual transformation. Jesus calls the 12, and here's the big reveal, he calls you, okay? It was up on that mountain that Jesus prayed, and he selected the 12 disciples, uh, followers, apostles, Verse 13, Jesus went up on the mountain and called out the ones he wanted to go with him, and they came to him. How many did Jesus choose? Oh, wow. How many did Jesus choose? He chose 12. There were a lot more that were following Jesus, but these 12, there was something about them that Jesus chose them to follow him. And you know this, but he did not select them on the basis of their credentials or their skills or their ACT test. They were just ordinary, average men. 
that would end up sharing a message of redemption to a lost world. I mean, look at the list of names. You've got Matthew, who is a tax collector that the Romans hated and the Jews hated. You've got um, fishermen, rugged and raw. They're going to change the world. You've got James and John, the sons of thunder. Sounds like a bike gang, doesn't it? You've got Simon the Zealot, who is this Jewish band of, of rebels that are trying to bring anarchy to the Roman government and overthrow the Roman government. There would be nothing on their resumes that would cause our eyebrows to raise and go, now that's the person we want. And yet it's because of that there's hope for all of us. Isn't there? It's because of ordinary people that God uses that he chooses his people so differently than what the world chooses. You have people here that have different backgrounds, different personalities, uh, they have different upbringings and skills, different strengths and weaknesses. That's what makes the body of Christ so unique. Jesus calls these men and calls us to not just be fishermen, but tell me, fishers of men, that they would impact the world. He calls them and he calls you. What does he call you? This is beautiful. He calls you out of something and he calls you into something. And he cannot call you into something until he calls you out of something. What has he called us out of? He's called us out of a life of sin, of depravity, of darkness, of rebellion, out of a life of bondage and slavery. He has called us out of darkness. Aren't you thankful for that today? Oh my word, that was terrible. How many of you are thankful that he's called you out of darkness? He has called us out of darkness. No one else can do that. There is nobody else that can do that. He has called you out of your darkness, not for you to go back in. Some of you are, are right now dabbling with that. He's called you out of that life. Do you remember what your life was like before Christ? And you thought, oh, I had it all. And then you met Christ and you thought, oh, that's not who I am anymore. He has called you out of those things. And here's the good news. He's called you into what? He's called you into his love, into his holiness. He has called, called you into a, a life of devotion and joy and light and purpose and obedience. He has called us to a life of spiritual transformation. And you can always tell when someone's been transformed. You see it on their face. You see it in their life. There's visible fruit. He has called you out of those things and called you into his glorious light. Ephesians 5, 8, for you were once darkness, but now you are the light in the Lord. Live as children of light. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Hey, we don't do good works so people pat us on the back. We do good works so that people will say what a great God we have. So he has called you just as he has called the disciples. The question I want to ask you is, and I can't answer this for you. Some of us have one foot in the world right now and you know it. And you're running hard. 
And some of you have one foot in Christ. You want to do the right thing, but you are pulled back and forth. Galatians talks about this. And you will be miserable when you are this way. It would be like us going to a lake and you putting one foot in a canoe and another foot in a canoe and I push you out in the lake. How long do you think it would take before you do a nice split and you fall into the water and you're miserable? This is what we try to do is we try to live for the world and all that it offers, but I also want to live for Christ. And somewhere we have to say, you know what? If I gave my life to Christ, it's all or nothing. It's all or nothing. Early in ministry when I was a youth pastor and my students gave me a lot of grief, you know who you are, some of you are in here, um, there were days where I just thought, I'm done. I'm, I'm done with ministry. I'm not going to do it anymore. And I would say, Lord, if things don't change by January, I am out of here. And then things would get better. And then all of a sudden I would get stressed out again. And I would question my calling. And I would say, Lord, if things don't get better by July, I am out of here. 37 years later, God still has me in ministry. And I realized many years ago, I'm not going to say that anymore. Because I knew that if he calls me, he's got my back. And he's going to use me in a powerful way. And I've seen the spiritual transformation that has occurred in my life. And I think you have seen it in your life as well. Spending time with the Father, I am called. Just as the 12 were called, you and I are called as well. A third important key to spiritual transformation that we see here is Jesus appoints the 12. Here's the big reveal again. He appoints us. Mark tells us in verse 14, Jesus appointed 12 men to be apostles. Now, understand this. We are not going to be apostles with a capital A for Jesus Christ. Those who were called apostles with a capital A were eyewitnesses of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Anybody here? Eyewitnesses of the resurrection of Jesus Christ? No, no. But we are apostles with a lowercase a, though I would not call myself that. I am not going to go out and I'm not going to say, hey, please call me the Apostle Craig, okay? Because that's weird. But an apostle is somebody that is sent out. Apostle is someone that represents and someone who shares something that's important. That's who we are. We are an apostle. We are sent out for the Lord with a particular task or function at a certain place at a certain time. We have people in here that are being transformed by God and they are being appointed as a godly husband, as a godly wife. They are representing Christ in their schools. Maybe they're a bank teller or they're working in a restaurant. You and I have that great privilege of being able to represent him wherever we go because he's called us and he's also appointed us. It's like if uh, you join the army. You join the army or one of the... Uh, one of the uh, um, Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, sorry if I forgot any, Coast Guard, uh, National Guard. Uh, um, and, and you were called to that, but once you're called into the Army, now you're appointed. You're appointed to a particular task. See, we're not just called out of darkness and, oh, you're on your own now. He appoints us. He gives us a task or a function 
that we are to live out every single day of our lives. And this is where I absolutely love Ephesians 2.10. If you haven't memorized Ephesians 2.10, make it a habit of memorizing this. For you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which he has prepared in advance for you to do. You realize there are, there are things that the Lord has prepared in advance for you to do, but we're so keyed in on us, and we're so keyed in on our best friends, me, myself, and I, that we fail in seeing what those are. We miss out on the opportunity. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which he has prepared in advance for us to do. If you would have told me two and a half years ago, I would be sitting in Kalimu, Myanmar with 50 pastors from Myanmar, I would have said there's no way. And yet there I am sitting and Matthew Young is with me and another local pastor is with me and we are in Myanmar and the smile on our face says it all. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. He has appointed us to do a work for him. And there is no greater joy than to be a part of that. Another spiritual transformation we see is not only are we to spend time with the Father, not only are we to, uh, we are called by him and appointed by him, but we are also equipped. He equips the 12, he equips you. Again, in verse 14, and he appointed 12 so that they might be with him, or the word is to accompany him, to learn from him. I mean, I'm sure there's someone in your life that you have learned something from someone. If you had a father that taught you how to work on a car, to this day, you tinker with a car. Jesus, in his three years of ministry on this earth, with his 12, he spent time and mentored them and equipped them so that they would turn the world upside down. He equipped them to do a good work for him. These 12 men would be responsible for sharing the gospel and going out into the world. They would be responsible for laying sound doctrine for the church. They would be responsible for laying the foundation of the church of which Christ is the cornerstone. All of these things. But listen, spiritual transformation will not occur in our life if we are distancing ourselves from him. If we're distancing ourselves from his word, if we're distancing ourselves from, from other people that know Christ, distancing ourselves from being a disciple, growing, that is how we that is how we are spiritually transformed, is by growing in his word and being equipped in his word. It's imperative that we spend time with the Lord. So I feel like I need to ask you, if you want to live a transformed life, then let's not dabble with God. It's 2022. I thought the Lord would return long ago. I, I want him to come back so bad. I, I'm done, and yet there's still work to do, isn't there? Because I've been called, and you've been called. I, I, I've been appointed, and you've been appointed. I've been equipped, and you've been equipped. Don't take what God has done in your life and just sit on it. It's time. 
Because our time is so close. I believe these are birth pains, friends. These are the birth pains right up to the point where Jesus will return. And we can have the attitude of, let him return, fine. Or we can say, there's still people that need to know about Christ. And God has equipped us here to share that with others. It, 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 would, be like, it would be like if you were called to be a plumber. And then you had the task of being a plumber. But no one ever took the time to equip you. So you go in, do you want somebody coming in your house that says, yeah, well, I'll give it a shot. I'm not sure. <laughs> you know, this whole plumbing thing. <laughs> I'm a plumber. Do you want somebody messing with your water? There's nothing worse than having water in your home. It would be like you being a fireman. And you have been appointed to a particular fire station. But no one ever took the time to equip you to learn how to put out fires. This is why equipping is so important. You are not going to see visible signs of a spiritual transformation in your house by sitting on a bar stool on a Friday night at the local tavern. And some of you are like, well, what about Thursday night? No, no, you missed the point. The, the, po the point is, if you want to change your life, start by changing your story. A story that involves his calling, his appointing, his equipping in your life. I love Ephesians 4.12. To equip the saints for the work of the ministry for the building up of the body of Christ. I absolutely love this picture. We drove four hours into the jungles of Guatemala to be with these people. We had been told that there is a church and there is a group of people. They do not even speak Spanish. They speak Kachi. I know it sounds like I sneezed, but they speak Kachi. And they have been praying that someone would come to help equip them to know more about God's word. And we drove four hours and spent the entire day with them. The warmth of these people, the tears in their eyes of thank you so much for coming. We love God's word, but we, we need equipped. We, we, we don't know how to grow. We need to know how to grow. And we spent time with them. And we will spend time with them again this year. No electricity. None at all. But they are faithful people. Faithful people. And then we give them all a solar-powered light that they can take home with them. The solar-powered light stays lit for 12 hours. They've never had anything like that. And it's got a cell phone charger on the, on the top. They don't have clean water or electricity, but they all have cell phones. And there's a cell phone charger. I, th I don't know if they were more excited about that or more excited about the word of God. But we're equipping people for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. You don't have to go to the jungles of Guatemala to do that. You don't have to. Right in your backyard is an opportunity for us to equip others for the work of the ministry. Just as Jesus equipped the 12, he equips us as well. Are you fulfilling this mandate or are you neglecting this mandate? Lastly, Jesus sent out and empowered the 12. He sends us out and empowers us as well. Verse 14 and 15, he sent them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons 
They were heralds or messengers of the gospel. He sent out the 12 to have authority and represent by casting out demons and healing in his name in keeping with their role as apostles. He gave them authority in both the physical and spiritual realm. Jesus also gives us and empowers us and sends us out. But not necessarily to cast out demons or to heal in his name. That's that's not the primary goal of our ministry now. The primary goal of our ministry is to share the gospel and let God bring about a transformation in the lives of others that will last for eternity. You realize these apostles were the very first ones that went out into the world and shared the gospel. I mean, if you read the book of Acts, you see it, where they were faithful in sharing the gospel. And it was because of that. Listen, it's because of that that we're here today. It's because they were faithful in sharing it from one person to another that eventually it came to your ears and your heart, and you're sitting here today saying, yes, I'm a believer in Christ. Let's not let that die. Let's continue to be empowered and be sent out to do a work for him. A few verses here that just are so good in helping us to understand what our marching orders are. In Matthew 28, 18 to 20, and Jesus said, Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We see in Acts 1.8 where it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world. And then 2 Corinthians 5.20, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We're all ambassadors here. We all represent the King of Kings. So please don't play the game of I've got nothing to do for the Lord. Because we are all ambassadors here. Just like the 12 were chosen, we're chosen to represent him in your schools, where you go and shop, uh, your work. We represent him well. Yeah, okay, we can say we represent Maranatha Bible Church, but that doesn't hold water today. What matters is that we represent Jesus Christ and we give him glory and honor. Quickly, Mark then lists the names of these 12. Um, and, and I want to just encourage you, oh, what, what month is it? Tell me. And how many months are there in a year? And how many disciples are there? Oh, let's do a deep dive and let's study one disciple a month. And I want to even give you a resource. Well, I'm not going to buy it for you, but here's a resource. Okay. John MacArthur has an incredible book called 12 Ordinary Men where he walks through every single one of the disciples. I think if we, if we really want to understand what it means to be a disciple and understand the people that Jesus called, what a great study to be able to do that. 12 Ordinary Men by John MacArthur. The disciples were men changed by Jesus. But this is important. This is important. It is critical to keep in mind each man had to be willing to be changed. One was not He was not willing, and that's Judas Iscariot. Jesus called them all, but only the ones willing to be changed were changed. Let's be the disciples that Christ has called us to be. I found this quote this uh, past week, uh, and I love it. 
Our problem with following Jesus is we're trying to be a better version of us rather than a more accurate reflection of him. I think that's true. I need to get my life together and I need to get my life in order and I got to be better, I got to be better. No, no, let's not try to be a better version of us. Let's try to be a more accurate reflection of him. And that starts by understanding our calling. It starts by understanding that we've been appointed. It starts by understanding we've been equipped. And it starts by understanding that we've been sent and empowered as his ambassadors out there. Out there. And those are things, friends, we cannot afford to skim over. Those are things that will bring transformation in our life. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for this morning. We ask that you would help us, that we would not sit, but that we would go, that we would be available for your service, that we would find that each and every day is an opportunity to be an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ, whether it be in Guatemala, Moldova, Myanmar, or our backyard. May we represent you well. And we give you praise and we give you honor. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.